The upcoming indie film Thrust follows two lovers, Aloe and Vera, living in a girl gang ruled dystopian society on a quest to kill Dirtbag Mike. Sounds like a real gem. My guest today is a screenwriter and director of said film. He is Victor Bonacore, and this is Slasher Sports Center. I'm here to kill you. I am Dracula. You say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for? Not for shedding. Six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. Bonacore, welcome, my man. What is up? Still trying to same get that old up. same. <laughs> yeah, no, your your angle's good. Your your, your oh, angle's man. not gonna miss. Uh, we were having a fun conversation before uh, we went live, and it's uh, oh yeah. Hey, listen, man, don't don't get that cat out of here. Whatever you, you do, come here, yeah, Phoebe. It's it's always a special occasion when when the oh. pets make an appearance. Absolutely, always. yeah, yeah Phoebe. And, and, yeah. I think it started with uh, Karen Lamb. She's a crazy cat lady to begin with. She uh-huh. directed the, the the that new Bring It On film. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Bring It On, Cheer or Die. Was the oh, name of wow. That. I actually think I did hear of that, yeah. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it's wild because there was never, like, even a possibility of me ever catching a, a Bring It On film. And right. all of a sudden, they make the last one a slasher, <laughs> and they That's reel crazy. me right back in, you know. Right. But Karen I, Lamb, I she, uh, I have a collection of like cheerleader movies from the seventies that are really cool. Uh, the swinging cheerleaders, and but that, that bring it on, yeah. I don't think I've seen one of those. I, yeah, I don't know if those uh, match up in content, but I'd like to check those out one day. Yeah, um, you know, when the kids are away, but um, yeah, the uh, she was on and and her cat uh, was uh, was making the appearance, and I said, you know what, to hell with it, well, let's just do this. And then I had my friend Ben Johnson on, and his dog just started barking up a storm, and then all of a sudden my um, I've got some rodents here, and they started squeaking, uh, and, and probably you've probably heard them in the last three or four episodes. So I'm just saying to hell with it. I'm not even going to try and correct it anymore. Pets are welcome but, here. Yeah, they're they're not only welcome, they're encouraged. Yes, I like that. Yeah, they're encouraged on this podcast. Um, now we, we are uh, dealing with some freezing, but I can hear you loud and clear, so don't uh, don't go bananas. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with uh, Victor Bonacore, a very talented screenwriter, uh, producer, director, actor, and I'm uh, very happy to have you on. Um, well, first, I mean, I guess we should talk about what's going on this week in, in horror and 
that would be absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a very slow week this week. The, 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 yeah, I think the, the biggest news that we got was uh, Monica Bellucci and um, Jen Ortega joining the Beetlejuice 2 cast. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I didn't even I know, know that you're... was an actual go. That's crazy that they're actually doing Yeah, that. A, apparently. Apparently. And it, I don't know. It feels like they're trying to shoehorn uh, Jen Ortega into everything now. Yeah, she's the she's the it girl, I guess. She's the it girl, the Hollywood it girl, I guess. Or yeah, like she, the, she's the the one that all the teenage girls want to be, and all yeah. the teenage boys want to be with, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> or she was in the I, new. I think the only thing I've ever seen her in is the uh, the two last scream movies. She, she was an like, ex. I don't. I don't know if you've seen Ty West oh, X. Yeah. yeah, I did actually. I I didn't care for it, but I like Pearl. I didn't like X though. But I did. See, I forgot she was in that too. I'm with you on that. Um, I, I wasn't blown away by X. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't yeah. love it. But Pearl, I was very much a fan of. Yeah, I almost wish was, Pearl was a Pearl standalone movie. film. Yeah, I think it had a lot to do with like her helping to write the script, and it just kind of felt like it was like her vehicle. Like, and she like took it, and uh, yeah, she was. She's incredible. That was a, that and I was, think they wrote this over Skype during the oh, pandemic. Really? Oh, that makes sense. That's cool. Yeah, see, that's cool. Like, um, yeah, um, yeah. What else came out? I did. I saw uh, that Robert Rodriguez has a new movie out right now, um, but it's not horror. I just watched the trailer, and there was like nothing about it that made me want to see it. So, do I keep freezing you know, up, or am I okay? Uh, you're freezing up a little bit, but. Uh, Audio is perfect. I haven't heard any okay. hiccups there. All right. Sorry okay. about that. My phone is no, really no, don't worry one bit, man. That's uh, this is just how uh, how we roll when it's live, daddy. You know what I'm saying? I can the make show. a move, but I can't get like a thing to work on my phone. You know, it's just crazy. <laughs> it's weird. Well, listen, like if, if you worried that anything was going to go wrong, it can't get any more wrong now because Steve Morris is checking in just in time for that glorious intro. You're doggone right, man. Steve Morris has been a, actually a two-time guest on Slasher Sports Cinema, very talented director himself. Oh, rumor has it Jenna won't be free for Scream 7 now because of her new projects. Well, thank goodness for that. Um, maybe they'll just scrap Scream 7 altogether. Just kidding, Steve. I know you like I know you like Scream, so I want to bust your balls a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Steve Moore is a very talented filmmaker himself. And I'm um, hoping that we get some sort of um, some sort of project out of the Bad Apples writing. Uh, we're going to see how that goes. Keep us posted on Bad Apples, Steve. Um, but, Victor, listen, man, I was uh, I was educating myself uh, on your work. And I saw that you made like a retrospective uh, type of documentary on one of my very favorite slasher films of all time. And uh, that was Madman. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was the, the year that I was born. Oh, I've lost him now. So uh, we're going to get him back in here. Um, Steve, or I'm sorry, uh, Victor. Can did... you hear me? Am I back? Yeah, you're back. And oh, you're okay. back. Man, this sucks. I don't know what is going on my phone, but it listen. Hey, hey, 
You're perfect, my friend. You are perfect. <laughs> well, sorry, wrong. But there is nothing wrong I'm gonna whatsoever. I'm going to keep tapping my phone so it doesn't go black. So I, well, man, listen. man, I was uh, working at Media Blasters, and – I forgot how we got linked up with the producer of Madman, Gary Sales. I, I really forgot. I think he was trying to sell it to Media Blasters. I really don't remember. But somehow we got linked up with him and me and this guy, Dave, that worked there. They like He just like asked us to make this retrospective documentary on it. Oh, you know what? Because Code Red put it out. That's how. Um, okay. I would, I would, could, Media Blasters used to put out Code Red's uh, movies. Uh, for them, uh, Bill Olson and Walt Olson, um, RIP. Uh, and um, so I became friendly with those guys, the Olsons. They were funny, entertaining guys, and they ran Code Red and they were putting out Madman. And they're like, Victor, do you want to, you live in Long Island, do you want to do a documentary on this? I was like, sure. So me and my buddy Dave did it, and it was awesome. That was like my first like documentary outside of college you know or anything like that or like you know and it, it was fun and uh because the guy that played man man lives on long island and that was that's like the long island horror movie like you know there was only a few that uh in like the horror genre that were shot in long island that people know about and i think it's like madman and then motel hell that was shot on long island and i mean amityville horror motel hell shot on long island i did not realize that oh yeah yeah, and there's more. There's, like, underground stuff. But I think, like, you know, uh, that level of horror, like, that's the, the bigger stuff. And Madman, I loved it. I loved it as a kid, so that was cool. And the guy who plays him is this guy named Paul Ellers, and he just, like, such, like, an endearing guy, like, just loves the fact that he was this uh, 80s slasher and, and monster and cool guy, and the producer was cool. That was just a fun project, and... uh I think it's like carried over to like all the other releases. It's been on like, I think the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray. I think it's on that too. I think. But we did a yeah. retrospective on. Um, I, I don't want to say this podcast. It was not done on Slasher Sports Cinema. It was done on a previous uh, project that I was on called Slashers and Screamers. Uh, three very good friends of mine and I got together and we wanted to do a weekly podcast where we just chose a film, pulled it out of the air and just went back and looked over it, the absurdities, the greatness of it, mm -hmm. um, maybe poke fun at some of the dialogue or the happenings, maybe even talk a little bit too much about the size of Scout Taylor Compton's bottom. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That cake. Okay. She's caked up. She's pulling a wagon these days, oh, wow. but we're not going to talk about that. We might later off air, but we, uh, yeah, we, we, we had a lot of fun with it, and my guy, the Memphis Maniac Rick, he uh, he pulled out uh, Madman, and we, we, we talked about this film, and I have so much fun talking about this film because, first, it opens up in a way that completely sets the tone for what scares you as a kid, and we're talking about the campfire story. Okay, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. the campfire story with with a narrator like you had, um, uh, Newman. Uh, what was his, uh, his first name? Um, man, uh, Max Max Newman. Does that sound uh, right? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> we're remember. gonna go with that. That's what we're gonna <laughs> yeah. go with until I correct myself in the in the comments here. But 
yeah, the the uh, the narrator was perfect. You had that dork singing that little spooky song around the fire. Oh uh, yeah. You had the scene where uh, they're just spinning in the hot tub for no reason. Yeah. Um, that was the most awkward lovemaking scene ever made in the history of lovemaking scenes. Okay, and, and that goes for low budget porn too. It was the most awkward thing ever, but <laughs> it made the film what it was. You know. Yeah. And, and it kind of broke some of the norms. Um, first of all, there was no final girl. Okay. Sorry, they're going to make that. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. Uh, there was great. no final girl in this film. And, uh, and that's what makes it kind of crazy because it was at a time when you had Jamie Lee Curtis, you had the Friday the 13th final girls, and you had uh, Marilyn Burns from uh, Texas Chainsaw. You had, the final girl was kind of on the, the upswing. And yeah. Madman just said to hell with it. Fuck that. We're not having a final girl. Yeah. All the women are dying yeah. here. So, like, as far as your experience, um, I mean, what, tell me about directing this this documentary. Uh, you, you talked to Paul Ellers. He's a sweetheart. Who else did you get to talk to on this thing? Uh, a lot of the cast. Uh, one of the interesting guys, I think his name is Mike Michael Sullivan. He's played Dippy in it, like a little side character in Man Man. And he was cool because we got to go to his apartment and he made all these like crazy sculptures. And he was in one of the Robert Downey Sr. movies, uh, Greaser's Palace. So he just had like a, a weird little filmography, just like a weird New York guy and really cool, funny. And yeah, he had all these weird sculptures in his, in his apartment that were going to be in the Museum of Sex like that week or something. And uh some of the other actresses uh and i'm trying to think who else man it's been a long time madman gary and then we had other people do interviews like i'd reached out to like i think the dude from like cky did an interview but i didn't do it like we just like reached out or like hey can you do this on your own time or something (laughs) and uh and then like Part of the fun of that too was reaching out to people who made like fan films and stuff because there's like a lot of like really dedicated uh, fans of that movie and you know yeah. one of the fan film that was super fun. Listen, like this film doesn't get talked about enough amongst the the, the greats. Uh, it wasn't any more absurd than anything else that came out in the early '80s and late '70s. Yeah, it was uh, it wasn't campy. It was done with a lot of heart. Okay, it wasn't purposely done poorly, like um, you know, like ironic bad humor, bad humor in in horror that kind of became the thing later on, especially in the Friday the Thirteenth series. But like, uh, and the guy's Frederick Newman. Uh, He was Carl Fredericks at the time. Oh, okay. But his name in the film was Max. But Max, yeah. you know, he got out of there scot-free because he said, you guys have some beers. I'm bouncing. And I don't know if maybe they tried to make it seem like he was, uh, you know, he was the killer or something. I, I, I don't know if, if they were trying to pin it on, on him and maybe use the backdrop of an urban legend. But, man, this film, to me, is probably a top 10 80 slasher. And it ain't number 10, you know what I'm saying? So that's, uh, I, I guess we, you know, we can move on from Madman, but because I totally didn't prepare you for talking about Madman today. 
So that one's on me. I had just wanted to bring it up because you made the documentary. And so I do urge you all to, to go out and check out this documentary. We're going to have a link to that in the comments or I'm sorry, in the, uh, the episode description to this episode. Um, now Steve has a question. Um, oh, we, we just lost Vic again. He'll be back in just Man. a second. Um, Here we go. Do, do you see this question from Steve Morris? No, um, I can't see. Oh, wait, Victor, what sort of genre or subgenre do you hope to tackle the filmmaker? And what would you want to do on the project such as act, write, and direct? What sort of genre or subgenre? That's a really awesome question. I want to do... Uh, I think a musical would be fun, actually. Like some kind of wacky musical. Um, like a horror musical? Not even like, I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of the movie Jesus Christ Superstar. Right. And on. I like, like Tommy and, you know, uh, the John Waters musicals. And I don't know. I think it'd be fun to, to, to do a musical. But I also like, speaking of Madman, I always wanted to do like a camp movie at a camp. Um, I think that's the rite of passage, isn't it? If you're gonna do slashers, at least have a camp movie. Yeah, actually, Sleepaway Camp is one of my. That's my favorite slasher. I, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. And top three for me. I love it. And yeah, I mean, it'd be fun to do a camp movie. Um, I. Yeah, I guess there's a lot. I. I uh, there's a lot, but yeah, I, I think it'd be fun to do like a wacky musical or. Um, or a camp movie. How about a camp musical at a camp? Well, we haven't had enough horror musicals. If, if I'm being honest, <laughs> uh, we had repo. We had, um, Oh yeah. That's what was, yeah. Repo's uh, the, the last great one. I think that there was, and I do think that one was really fun. Um, yeah. but you, you've got the, you've got the resources. You, you, you're, uh, you got the end with a lot of good musicians. We're going to talk about some of them, uh, very shortly. And uh, yeah. especially when, yeah, when we talk about thrust, um, which I guess we should go ahead and do. I mean, thrust, it's a, it's called a post-apocalyptic girl gang thriller. That's, you know, that are, those are my words. Okay. Correct. Correct me if any of this is off base, but I'm thinking like the Lizzie's from the warriors meets Mad Max with a dash of stand by me. How huh. close am I? Wow. That's how I, close I, am I? I dig it. Yeah, that's cool. I, well, I give me the lay of the land, or I guess like the, the setting and overall universe you're dragging us into on Thrust. Yeah, like if the whole world was run by the Lizzies, you know, and the Warriors. Like, yeah, I love that movie so much, obviously. And um, yeah, definitely a hint of that. Definitely hints of like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, but yeah, you, you're, you're on it. You get it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I mean, you know, the... the when I think post-apocalyptic, um, Mad Max is always the thing that comes to mind. But you, sure. and, and it's it's an easy blueprint to follow if you want to cheat. You know, if you want to copy off somebody else's homework, you did your own thing here. You were kind enough, uh, and I am very gracious. I'm very, uh, very humbled that you would allow me to to screen your film, and I had a lot of fun doing it. It's a uh, two hours of. Uh, of some absolute fun 
Okay. Fun dialogue. And, you know, listen, I, I really don't like to use the word fun when we talk about a horror film, mm-hmm. but I found myself smiling and laughing at certain parts and in other parts, I'm like, yeah, okay. There, there's no way that I would allow that to happen to me. So I'm getting, you know, <laughs> the, that, that male ego in there. And this is probably a natural thing when, when, when a, when a man thinks about women, running the world okay this is like planet of the apes except they're women you know planet of the women you know get your hands oh, yeah. off me you filthy woman right this women hey, we're at their mercy in in your universe here and it's and it's something to to, to wrap your head around it's uh you had a lot of a, a lot of talent in this film and oh, yeah. from a lot of a lot of different backgrounds yeah uh, you had yeah uh, different levels of experience even in this film some 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 people i've been familiar with some people not so familiar with um some but, you know, yeah yeah a- absolutely absolutely and like you know you you, you pulled the hat trick uh, in this film you're you're a screenwriter a director and you have an acting part you probably did a lot more than that but I'm going to call it the hat trick just because slasher sports is also have sports. So we got to make some kind of, sure. you know, sports metaphors for those dorks on the athletic side. Right. right Talk about you, Christian Rowell and you, Steve Feck and you, Sean Doyle. But you pulled the hat trick, screenwriter, director, actor, other things. But, you know, you have some co-writers on this one as well. Aaron Brown and Hannah Neurotica or listed as co-writers on Thrust. Well, tell me about the dynamic between the writing team. That's a good question. Yeah, so Hannah wrote the original story for this. Uh, the original... Are you allowed to curse on here? Fuck no. Okay. <laughs> well, Hannah wrote the original story, and it was called Shit Fuck, The Vile Love Story. And she had interviewed me on her show like 13 years ago, something like that. And uh, she had a cool... Uh, radio show called Axe Moon Radio. And um, and she was telling me about that story. And I'm like, that sounds amazing. I love to read it. She sent it to me. I loved it. It was like four characters. It was just Punk Kid, Dirtbag, Mike, Aloe, and Vera. That was it. And, um, and I loved it. And I was like, I think I can make this into a movie. And I just developed the script over years. I mean, literally like 10 years worked on it. Not like continuously, but I'd work on it. And then I'd meet somebody in my life and I'm like, they're going to be aloe. And then that would change. And then I'd write it, you know, that's how I write. Sometimes I meet people and I'm like, and they won't even know it, but I'm like basing a character on the script off them. And that's how it happens a lot of the times. And, uh, and then eventually just wrote. So I wrote the script thrust I changed it to thrust. And um, that was a band that my sister was in. Back in the day, it was like an all-female punk band in New York, and they were so good. And I remember being a kid and making thrust shirts with them, and like DIY shirts. And I just thought it was a cool name. I, I was like, that just that's just a good title for a movie. And uh, and then Aaron came around, and we started making movies together. We've known each other for a long time, and we're like, let's make some movies. Let's do a feature. And so she's a very good writer. She's very articulate. She's very smart, very well worded. So she kind of went through my script and she's like, listen, you're making this feminist movie, but there is a bit of a male gaze over it. She's like, it's just there, you know? So she went through it. it. 
Yeah, yeah. like, and, and it was very good. I, I was very, you know, happy for that because I didn't, you know, uh, yeah. So she kind of went through it and added stuff and made suggestions, took stuff out. And then it went through like three or four versions from there. And uh, until we got it to where we were happy and we got it to a point where we're happy. And uh, I mean, that stuff was even changing while we were shooting. But yeah, that was the, that was basically the writing process. And uh, it was fun. I'd never done that before like that. Like, we, you know, we wrote a lot together. And uh, yeah, it was cool. I'm very happy with the final product, you know, where it ended so up. Aaron provided a lot of uh, perspective. A lot of perspective, and, 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 a lot of like alternate like ideas and like maybe this, maybe the character would do this and and stuff like that. And then we were able to flesh stuff out better and, you know, yeah. That, that's yeah. why it yeah. takes a village, man. Like making a movie is like raising a kid. It takes a village, right? Uh, making movies is like the probably the most collaborative thing you can do, you know. It takes so many people to make something like that happen. You know, it really does. It really does. I think it may have even been Steve Morris that I that I stole that from. That you know, making a movie is like raising a kid. It takes a village. I, yeah. I could be wrong, Steve. I'm taking credit for it, unless you chime in with with something. But you know, <laughs> this is uh, you know, though this is a woman led dystopian future. First, you got to tell me about uh, who I, I guess I, I shudder to call him the bad guy. Uh, but Dirtbag Mike, he's um, he's the guy, and oh, uh, there guy. he is. See, okay, I can't take credit <laughs> yeah. now. Uh, he uh, Steve says I do say it all the time. Okay, well, bless you, Steve. I stole it for that amount of time. That amount of time, it's yours again. But it's true; it does take a village. Um, so I, I tell you what, you know, for every villain, uh, there's a hero, and in some cases too. And later on, I do want to hear about Aloe and Vera because. I mean, this is them. This is their story. Uh, but tell me about our our, our dirty no gooder, Dirtbag Mike. Yeah, like like about the actor or the or the both character? the character okay. and the actor. Well, I wanted him to be the most despicable human ever. Basically, Dirtbag Mike is like so. Women are gang, lady gangs are running the world, and on this you know post apocalyptic landscape, men have just destroyed everything to the point where like you know they're 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 big they're scarce and the ones that are left are are slaves but they're like you know i think the i'm trying to show the ladies treating their slaves way better than we would do the than the males would treat lady slaves or have in the past you know they're just sure. like play some songs and you know and you know uh you know let you'll be our little you know in a wrestling match you know you're gonna be our wrestling buddy basically like you know but uh, Dirtbag Mike is the last scumbag alive, and he's locked up in this, like, hospital-slash-prison. And uh, he gets out, and he's on a warpath, and um, and that's it. And he's the last scumbag alive, like, the last bit of pure, you know, gross, you know, dirt ball. And uh, he's got to get gone, and... Um, it's up to Aloe and Vera to do that. And the guy that played him is a good buddy of mine named Mike Shoshanovich. Also a, you know, independent exploitation filmmaker. Came up on Long Island. Um, yeah, love the dude. You know, he's a solid actor, knows the game. Um, I always thought he'd be perfect. He's He was always going to be the bad guy for a really, really long time. 
and uh, he was just perfect. And he uh, grew his hair out all gross for me. And uh, yeah, we we went. You know, it was it was fun. It was uh, he was the perfect guy to play that role, and I'm glad he did. Yeah, and he he was he's good with other actors too. And because he's a director himself, he like I said, he knows the game. So he, you know, he's a uh, he was down for anything. Well, let me just tell you, viewers, listeners, you're going to hate him in the best way possible. Yeah. yeah. In the best way possible. So, all right. Now I need to know about aloe vera. And I'm not talking about the active ingredients in my flaky skin listeners' favorite lotion. All right. I'm talking about the baby faces in this tale. Take it yeah. away, Vic. Tell me about aloe vera. Aloe and vera are our heroes of the apocalypse. They are... You know, they're from a gang called the Punk Boys, and they kind of just sit around smoking weed all day, listening to good music. And, you know, they, they got word. And they're, they're totally in love. They're best friends. They're lovers. You know, they're, they got this perfect relationship. And uh, they're just coasting it out, coasting out in the apocalypse, you know, getting high, hanging out. And, but, you know, Dirtbag Mike's out to disrupt everything. So, they're, they're like, we got to take matters into our own hands. And they go out and uh, go on this journey together um, based on love and passion. And and uh, they're going to take out their bag, Mike. And that's it Alan is your kind of movie, Steve. It is exactly your kind of movie. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to we're going to tell everybody how they can catch it uh, at an upcoming festival. Yeah, Very soon we're going to keep a wrap on that till the end. So stick around and uh, maybe it'll be uh, in, in some of our necks of the woods. But, uh, you know, Ronnie Jonah is in this film and, you know, oh, she's yeah. been involved and in, well, shit may, may even still be involved in uh, pro wrestling. So, you know, her role is pretty natural, uh, pretty naturally played, I guess. And um, I know Ronnie, I don't know Ronnie, but I know Ronnie from uh, a previous film that I reviewed for uh, a very good friend uh, named Adam Freeman in Deadly Dealings. And oh, uh, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Ronnie is so talented. So she's oh, she's been involved in a lot of friends films. And I mean, anytime she's in, I'm, I'm in. She, she does a great job. But, you know, the. Uh, the, the common thing between you two, and there may be a lot of common things, but is the, the pro wrestling thing. Um, it's, it's a no-brainer to work with her, right? So, um, and there, I think there's more than one pro wrestler involved in this film, is there not? Oh, there's a lot of pro wrestlers, yeah. Yeah, yeah a the, lot. <laughs> you see, the, yeah. The, this is something that was going to come up naturally, and you know, the, that segue was, was not done on purpose. Yes, it was, of course it was. But... You know, I'm, I'm a pretty big wrestling fan myself. And in, in case the, the viewing audience can't see your T-shirt, you're wearing a gold dust T-shirt. I'm wearing my Randy Savage cream of the crop. Look at that chest. And, you know, the, uh, the, the, the wrestling love runs thick like mayonnaise through, uh, through this podcast right now. Um, I got to know, what, what is it you're doing with pro wrestling? You're, you're, you're doing something at like some live indie shows, are you not? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, actually, when I moved out to Dayton area, I got into filming some wrestling 
big fan. I love indie wrestling. And there, there's like a big scene out here. So I started going and then through friends of friends, I got in and I started filming it and it was awesome. And I, uh, I started editing this shows and I credit that with like ha- making me into a really good editor because, or better editor, because uh, you have to be fast and, you know, three angles and, and it was fast. You had to pump that stuff out. So I filmed a lot of wrestling and through that, of course, I met a lot of wrestlers and yeah, they were some of the most talented people I ever met. And I was so like in awe of them, their talent and their dedication and all that. Uh, it's crazy. And they make great actors because they know how to, and they're like built in stunt people. They know how to take a fall. They know how to make a punch look real. They know, they know that stuff. It's just innate in them. And it, I love it. And they think they know how to emote, you know, as a wrestler, you have to emote and, and, you know, act in the ring. And, uh, I love wrestlers and I love working with them and they're always fun. You know, when you get them even out of wrestling and put them in a movie, they're great. They love it. Uh, my experience has been uh, great with that. And, uh, yeah. And Ronnie Jonah was, was, I had never worked with before. It was great to work with her. And I knew she had the wrestling background and, uh, she was awesome. And she, uh, yeah, and the other people, there's a ton of people in there. Uh, Jessica Havoc, who's on Impact. Um, Ace Austin, who's in the Bullet Club now. Um, God, Nate Wings, uh, Georgia Lee Milton. There, there's so many. Uh, Aaron Williams, uh, Queen Aminata, who pops up on uh, AEW. Uh, Dark. I was going to say Queen Aminata. Yeah, she was. She's awesome. She was in a short film I did before that called Triangle, and she's awesome. Just like and these people, you know, they, they, uh, I meet them through wrestling. That's it. I film their match. I shoot a promo with them, and I'm like, and then I, I figure out, oh, I want to work with that. That person would be a really good actor. They'd be good for this scene. And yeah, so I love working with wrestlers, and um, I could ramble on and on about that stuff. But that was probably the most fun shit to to shoot was shooting a, a wrestling match in the middle of like a post-apocalyptic landscape. That I was knew it had to happen. I was, I was waiting for it to happen. Like seeing all the, the you know, the wrestlers in the cast before I watched, I said there has yeah. to be some kind of it, or at least like an epic fight scene. A la they live between Roddy Piper and, and Keith David or something, you know, something that just yeah. goes on and on. And uh, yeah. there, there's some fun fight scenes um, in the film. And I don't want to give too much away. One involves nunchucks, but, the um the, the thing about wrestlers is they don't get a second take right they're always live man and right. they're prepared for no second take so that's probably an advantage like you said built-in stunt people yeah but also built-in theater actors because yeah. they don't get the second take and it's just right. a, a different kind of acting and yeah, I, I would I would say that wrestlers should make natural progressions into into acting. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't always happen. Like the some of the best examples you can think of, I guess, are like Dwayne Johnson and, and Batista. And I really want to say Batista because Batista's done great in everything he's yeah. been in, especially like Knock at the Cabin. I was you know very happy with that film. I'm very happy with him in that film, especially you know you had. Ron Weasley in there too, but I mean, come on, you had Batista and he kind of took the reins on the lead. I guess you could say antagonist role, if that's what you want to call it. But 
yeah, this was a, this was an interesting cast to say the least. And, um, you know, I, I, I do want to jump to one thing and it's, sure. it's, it's a different, a different part of this film, but after your opening scene during the opening credits, I guess there is an amazing punk band performing a song. I feel like I'm going to have on repeat for the, the next month. <laughs> Who the hell oh, is yeah. that band? And what is that song? Because I can't get it out of my head. It uh, the band is the Midnight Creeps, and the song is Menstrual Institution. Mm. And uh, they're yeah, they're awesome. They were like a band that I um, I saw when I was like a young kid, going you know going to punk shows, and I was like just enamored by Jenny, the lead singer. I thought she was like the coolest like person ever i was like maybe 16 or 17 when i first saw them and i was like who is this band and i mean and she was just like scared me but then i also was like loved her like she was just the the the, the coolest like i don't know how to describe it and i loved their their stuff and i had their cds and i they're one of those bands that survived you know 20 years later still listening to them and i had run into them in jersey when i was living there and they played this little place called the Clash Bar. And this is maybe like, this is when I was living in Jersey, like 12 years ago. And we went out with my girlfriend at the time and some friends. And it was like, not a big turnout, but it was a really cool spot. And uh, we hung out and talked about doing a video together. And that never happened, but we stayed in contact. And then I was writing Thrust and there's this band scene. I was like, no, they have to be in this movie. And they, they fucking came down from... They're in uh, uh, Rhode Island, I want to say. I hope I'm right there. Rhode Island? Is that where they are? I think they're in Rhode Island. And they own a bar there called the Scurvy Dog, like a punk rock bar. And sure. they drove down and uh, came and you know came to our set. And we shot with them all day. And they were awesome. And they think they built a little tour around that show, like the, the shoot. I think they went to Indiana and played in Indiana this place called the melody i believe and did like two or three shows but it was amazing it was a dream it was surreal and uh i'm supposed to be going up there we were gonna do a screening up there but and like have them play so we're working on something with that uh because uh yeah but yeah love them they're awesome check out them you and me both okay you and me both this was my introduction to them okay and let me just tell you um I got on a very big 80s kick uh, very recently. And, um, and and it happened because of a rewatch that I of since, you know, my childhood of watching the Toxic Avenger. Okay. I decided yeah. I want to sit down and rewatch the Toxic Avenger because a lot of the people that I'm talking to on this podcast have some sort of ties to trauma entertainment in some way or, or another. Okay. And I haven't had, you know, un- uncle Lloyd on yet. Um, maybe one of these days that that could be maybe the pinnacle of my existence. If, uh, if I can't get Bernadette Peters on first, if you're listening, Bernadette, she's not listening, but stars. It, it, it would still be great. You know, I'll take one or the other. I don't care which, but I went back, I watched the toxic Avenger and I forgot about this opening scene where they're all in the gym. You got all these different types of people in the gym and there's a song playing 
as the mop boy is fucking up the place. And, you know, a guy's worried about having a pinch of fat on his stomach. And he's just pumping out, you know, the on, on the bench press. But the name of the song was Body Talk. And Body Talk was performed by Sandy Farina. And if I told you that I listened to that song a couple of times per day for the next month, I would be lying because a couple is not enough. I got on this kick because of Body Talk, and I went and re-downloaded Eddie Murphy's Party all the time and a whole shit ton of Hall and Oates. And it happened, and all this stuff happened because of that opening montage. That's awesome. on the Toxic Avenger. It just opens up a can of freaking worms, man. And I think <laughs> that's what I think that's what, you know, th- th- this band is going to do for me because I haven't listened to Near Enough Punk in my last probably 10 or 15 years since oh, yeah. uh so just get yeah, you back maybe, into it. Just pull Yeah, it just get me back into it little by little, you know. And maybe I can you know, find something new because of these guys, but there's inspiration because of the opening, not the opening montage, but at least the opening credits, you know, music in in this film. But, you know, all all, all credit's going to go to them. And you know what? We're we're probably going to have to just put a link to their music or something in the episode description here because they they were badass. Yeah, they're great. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Visit their bar in Rhode Island. They got a bar called the Scurvy Dog. Go check it out. Yeah, if you're in Rhode Island or nearby, and if you're in any surrounding state, you're nearby because Rhode Island's itty bitty. Um, yeah. Hit up the scurvy dog, man. Yeah, I love it. Now, you know, I guess I want to know about some of your crew on this on this film. Um, sure. Because I happen to think that an unsung hero here might be Batania Grant. Oh, uh, hell yeah! Oddly, you said that. That's great that you said that. Today is her birthday. Happy birthday, Batania Grant. Happy birthday, Batania. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because I, yes, you're right. 100%. That's wild. I didn't know it was her birthday. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm out here talking shit because of things I happen <laughs> to notice in the film. I, I thought to myself, you know, th- this costume designer, who is it? Lo and behold, Batania Grant, speak of the devil and she shall appear. But, uh, yeah, this is um this was a spectrum of maybe over the top down to the bare minimum. You know, you got a guy running around in a skivvies and a in a white tee all the yeah. way up to what looks like uh you know a road warrior costume almost and right. everything in between. And I think Batanya's work was cut out for her. And think that 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 deserves a round of applause right there so had had you worked with batania beforehand yeah i did actually i i've known batania i know her her her, um her husband scott gabby he's actually the editor of ultraviolet violent magazine and i'd worked with both of them through uh jim van bever um there she is in uh Gator Green, Jim's short film that we all worked on, and she's in my documentary. So I, I, I've known her, but like I'd actually never made anything and had her work on my thing. And this, so 
and her costume work is amazing. She owns a shop in Florida. She's just so talented and, and sweet. And I asked her if she'd do the costumes and she was down and killed Linnea's costume. And let me tell you something about Batania too. Like we're shooting Tell. in the Poconos, Linnea's scenes, the first stuff we're shooting for Thrust, and we drive up there. Everything else was shot in Dayton, but we had to go to Linnea because Linnea had this small gap where we could film with her. So we drive up to the Poconos. My buddy Jimmy Screamer Claus lives up there. We go to his house. but And Batania was like sending the stuff in the mail. Like she was sending the costume in the mail. And I think that's, yeah, it was getting shipped there. I forgot what the whole plan was, but then it was like a hurricane. There was some kind of weather shit and she ended up flying up and like getting a flight and flying into the Poconos. And I drive all night. I get to the Poconos and I pick her up at the airport and it was just a wild ride. Nobody slept. Um, we got to the poker because the times kept changing because it was like a, a, a thunderstorm or hurricane. It was crazy weather. So we had literally like a small gap to shoot and we did it. And Batania was helping with makeup on top of the costume stuff. And all of her costume stuff just fit perfectly. Anytime an actress put it on, it was like, you know, so from the beginning she was involved because we'd be like, oh, like, like Ronnie's outfit. She made that. And I was like, we need something so, so you know, like I would explain it to her and she would just make it. She like made it from, you know, from scratch. And then, you know, when Ronnie tried it on, and, you know, they'd never met before. Like Batania just like I had them talk like Batania would get their measurements. You know, it's, it's in a pro. I don't need to know that stuff. You know, it's like that's their, you know, that's Batania's gig. And she knows that stuff and she can ask them their sizes and whatever and get their measurements. And she just killed it and loved it and, and it helps bring the movie to life i mean she did the patches the uh t the toe jammers the roller derby uh squad she did their back patches she just made those like designed them and uh she did the last of the good ones back patch all that stuff linnea's stuff yeah and uh even like the Al uh aloe shirt that's a band my friend's band but then she dirtied it up and made it perfect and uh a lot goes out to Batania and her costume work and and just uh her dedication yeah killer killer thank you for pointing that out because Batania rules you know I'm I'm, I'm glad it, it brought that out of you because as you were talking I went on and um sent Batania a friend request and left a happy birthday message on the last photo that I was allowed to <laughs> because nice. of uh you know the the, the friend status isn't accepted yet. So I had to find like the, the nearest to today. So right I just on. hit the happy birthday message. That's great. You know, perfect. Somebody else you worked with uh, Bryce Logan in this film. He's, he's oh, a talented yeah. writer himself, uh, but he was your sound guy in this one. And I, yeah. I don't know enough about film sound to know who's doing what I can tell you that some sound effects in this film uh, sounded a little too real. Maybe mm. some 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 stab wounds. I felt worried for yeah. the actor because you know they sounded like they were really happening, mm. and uh, I don't want to, you know, uh, another cannibal holocaust situation happening here to where you're going to get arrested and tried for murder, um, and yep. you'll have yep. to pull <laughs> any of these people out of hiding in a year just to get exonerated. But 
who's your sound guy um, that worked on, I guess the, the, the music and the sound effects, maybe your, uh, your, your Foley grips are, are different people. Um, what was the sound department? How was that structured in this film? Just one dude. It was just Bryce, Bryce with uh, a boom mic and headphones. And that was the sound department. That's it literally. And uh, you know, he had a device. We had a zoom uh, thing that or like we had, you know, the audio went into something. So that was our sound department. And then all the Foley and sound effects later was just me and the DP and uh, a lot of me just, we either do it ourselves or I, you know, I have like a bunch of CDs that have sound effects on them and mixing and matching. And, and then I had friends that were already doing um, like some of the guys that did the score, actually the, the dirty clean or even Mike Hunchback, like they were, did songs for the movie, but they would add sound effects in kind of too. So okay. we worked on that stuff for a while. Like when the movie was done picture lock, we spent probably about two months Maybe I'm exaggerating, but it felt like it, like doing sound effect stuff and like making sure there was a, yeah, I even remember there was a scene with Scary Mary character and she takes like a marker and she signs somebody and she throws it and it lands in like this tin thing. And I remember even doing the sound effects for like the marker falling in the tin thing. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I, I wanted to make sure it was like, you know, a solid full sound i wanted it to feel you know i don't know as much as a real movie as possible and you know and i wanted it to look and sound good because well, you know oh, sorry yeah no no, no. <laughs> carry on carry on please do yeah. no I, I was just saying like it you know if your movie looks and sounds good um i don't know that's big you know i i think i just took extra care on this movie it's sure. my first real feature, you know, besides the documentary stuff, like, and I really just, I just wanted to make sure I like, it was as good as we could make it. I don't know. That, that sounds corny, but you know, that's no, no, it's uh, definitely not corny. Oh, here he is. The, the, the guy I was just talking about. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave this out. Rao report, Christian Rao. Love it, Victor. Let's go. Yeah. That's my guy. Okay. That's my tag team partner. That's, this is uh, my tag team partner from Slasher Sports. We started this thing. Uh, feels like a couple of years ago. Could have been longer. Just a, a, a duck pulling a truck. You know, it's going to get there eventually. But, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're doing it, man. He's holding down, uh, you know, he, he's one of the, the sports dorks I was talking about. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep that mom right now until he goes, but <laughs> Christian, uh, I, I couldn't do this without him. He's uh, well, one of my best friends in the world and I will never, ever, ever tell him that to his face. So <laughs> yeah. Th thank you for chiming in Christian. Good to see you, I guess, but Victor, yo, no genre of film depends on sound like horror film depends on sound okay this is a you know comedy um a lot of sight dialogue fine not so much on the sound of the film um you know the the, the rom-coms the romantic films doesn't depend on too much of the sound maybe you know some of your high budget porn films depend on some sound but horror depends on sound okay i remember the first time that i noticed when a sound, I guess a piece of sound was missing 
Okay, I was watching WCW back during the Monday Night Wars. Okay, uh, Lex Luger picked up a big uh, a, a steel plate and he hit a bad guy in the head with it, threw it down, and it made no sound whatsoever. <laughs> and my stepdad and I look over at each other like he had a little plastic piece of something and, and it didn't work out. I'll never forget that moment because <laughs> around the same time was when I watched a film called the dark ride. Okay. And the dark ride is a very obscure, um, kind of captivity type horror film. What is it? And from? man, you're going to call me out and I'm not going to know, but the dark That's ride it was uh, late 70s, early 80s, very huh. grainy, but I had never seen it. Okay, this mm -hmm. was one of those that I was kind of forbidden to see as a child. I had to sneak okay. and watch Friday the 13th Part 2 for the first time when my parents oh. went on a date night. Okay, so I never got around to the dark ride because it didn't have a masked guy on it. Okay, and as okay. a young kid, I want the mask. I want the weapons. This guy, this was a little more cerebral, maybe for a more intelligent audience than what Friday the 13th Part 2 would have been for. Right. But I remembered some of the... Uh, like the sounds of the van door opening and you just could feel how heavy that door was because this is a Chevy van probably. And wow. you know, those doors are pretty, pretty, you know, weighty. So like just small things like that really put a film together. And if your sound is missing in horror, you're missing a whole lot more than you think you are. So I yeah. think you've done a great job with Bryce here. Bryce is a badass in, you know, in, as a writer, um, as a producer, he's made some fun stuff. And I believe the name of this film that I'm thinking of was, has the word murder and has the word silk in it. And I can't remember the exact title. Oh, um, that Bryce did? Yeah, I think so. Huh. I, I only so. don't have it for a reason. It was really good. And it was like, had bird in the title. Uh, but Let's yeah, see. Bryce um, is awesome. He's a fellow Dayton guy and he's just a great dude. So, um, the, you got this uh, this film going to the Shaka Gogo Film Festival. Oh, okay, yeah. That's going to be in June. I don't have the exact date. You want to give us the rundown on how to attend that one if you have it handy? Absolutely. Yeah. So the Shaka Gogo Fest will be June 22nd in Beverly Hills. It is the West Coast premiere of Thrust, and uh, it's had 10 screenings, and then it came out on Blu-ray. And although it is out on Blu-ray, you know, uh, limited editions are getting near the 200 mark out of a thousand. So they're getting down there. And uh, but it's still like nothing like seeing the theater and just it, part of this fest is awesome. And what's, what's cool about it, too, is they only pick three features and two of the other ones are like older films. And it's like a perfect place like the <laughs> I mean, like where Thrust is. It's Chopping Mall with Jim Wynarski there introducing it, the director. And then it's Thrust, and then me and Linnea are going to be there and introducing it. And then capping it off is Blackula with the director, William Crane, there. And I'm like, Bill this Crane, is like, hell yeah. Yeah, like, I want to live somewhere between Blackula and Chopping Mall. And, like, that's and you the, are. And I feel like that's where Thrust lives and i'm like yeah this is fantastic and i'm excited and 
Linnea's been one of my best friends forever, and I just I'm go- I'm going out. I could couldn't afford it, but I put my tickets on fucking layaway, and I'm going there, and I'm I'm excited. And uh, Shaco Gogo, I'm really excited. Those the people putting that on are super cool, and they believed in thrust. And uh, there's a, there's short films playing too that day, and uh, Brink Stevens is going to be there presenting one of them, and. Yeah, it's at a theater called the Lumiere Theater. Maybe I'm saying that wrong. In Beverly Hills. June 22nd. Yeah, come out. It's going to be awesome. The June 22nd. Be there at B-Square. We're going to try to have a link in the, the episode description for that as well. And it's Murder in Black Satin, the film that's coming up that he wrote, that, uh, oh. that Bryce wrote. Yeah, cool. and to me it felt like a... Maybe this is my head going going crazy because I'm such a sucker for the noir style detective, uh, you know, going all the way back to, you know, Dragnet to uh, maybe the Hercule Poirot uh, films. Uh-huh. Very big fan of those. When I saw, um, you know, your, your cast and crew in this film, I wanted to look into each and everybody if, if you know, allow, time allowed. And, you know, Bryce really caught my eye. And I said, yo, let me see what he's doing, because he's not only doing sound, he's, you know, he, he's writing films and oh, yeah. Murder in Black Satin is the one that caught my attention. Yeah, and, he's uh, a filmmaker. Yeah. He, he went to Wright State and uh, and he's still making stuff. And yeah, Bryce is awesome. Yeah, Elbert Smith is directing this one, apparently. And uh, Elbert it. Smith. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he's directing it. He's a uh, you know, children of the way, anti-zombie force. And uh, the Scarlet Agency are huh. what were, are what he's known for. And again, th- these are you know these are guys that are up and coming dudes. And I mean, we could you know we could learn a lot from what these guys are doing as young filmmakers, as much as you know we can learn from the the twenty year vets. You know, and yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to what you're doing here, man. And I'm really happy that you know the the Beverly Hills Con is going to be happening. Shaka Gogo is going to be off the chain, especially if you're sandwiched between Chopping Mall and Blackula. I got to review Blackula with uh, James Alexander, man. He's um he's a New York comedian out of uh, Queens. I've oh, promised cool. him. So I was born. I was born in Queens. You're born in Queens. Well, you might know James Alexander. All right. He's <laughs> actually, I think he's originally from Texas, but okay. he's been in New York for a very long time. He was actually on um, our review of uh, the original Friday the 13th. He's such a fun guy. He's a hilarious guy. I wish he'd get back out on the, the club circuit, but he, he said, listen, man, I'm not, I'm not risking COVID for a, a gig that's going to pay me in drink tickets. So <laughs> I right. said, okay, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. But you know, he's uh, I, I got to get him back on here and review Blackula. He's he's a great yeah, guy. Blackula, it's amazing. I love it, and uh, I'm yeah excited about that. And uh, yeah, super stoked. You know, I like it's cool because I haven't been to a fest just with Linnea. Not that I, I was as many people can make a festival or a screening is is amazing, and I it's cool. A lot of the cast has, and I got to give it up. Allison Egan who played Vera the the. Uh, the co-lead um, co-star she's awesome and she made it to the long island screening she came to pittsburgh so i got to give a shout out to allison and she's going to be the lead in my next movie actually so uh, well, looking forward to that yeah. listen man i've kept you long enough so before we uh you know before we slide into the gag reels tell me how can we help your film blow up man outside of beverly hills what can we do as viewers as as consumers 
Well, we do? Uh, yeah, so it is currently out on Blu-ray through a company called Culture Shock Releasing. Uh, great company. And uh, they're one of the uh, partner labels with Vinegar Syndrome. And um, very happy with it, you know. Uh, so you can get it on Culture Shock Releasing's website or Vinegar Syndrome under the partner label section. Uh, it's on Blu-ray there. And, uh, you know, occasionally at conventions and stuff. So, yeah, pick up a copy. Uh, pick it up directly from one of those websites or come to the screening. I think we're, I think our distributor is going to be at in Beverly Hills at the screening. So I think they're going to have a, I, I think, uh, but yeah, come out, support a screening, uh, just support independent cinema. You know, it, as a, uh, I, I'm just very gracious that people believed in it and, uh, and it's gotten this far. So yeah, if you haven't supported it already, and, and have a couple extra bucks, please give it a watch. It's not online yet. It's not streaming. It's just on uh, good old Blu-ray. I'm working well, on a VHS. Yeah, I'll send you the link. That would and, be uh, great. Working on a VHS release right now. Can't say anything because it's not finalized, but I'm hoping. Sure. I'm hoping so. so well, yeah. We'll wait for that word as well. And oh, yeah. these links, guys, are going to be in the episode description on our way out. Let, let, let's get this uh, this this question here. Who are your top horror inspirations? And then we'll ride into the sunset. Top horror inspirations. Oh wow! Uh, actor, directors, or um, whoever inspires you. Man, so any many of the above. People. I mean, Linnea always inspired me. The Scream Queens uh, always inspired me. Um, uh, George Romero. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, just I'm just thinking horror like uh, Kubrick, <laughs> um, uh, Frank Hennenlotter. Uh, Frank Hennenlotter, probably the unsung hero. Like I, I, I love his work so much, and um, got to work with him too, actually on a on a movie. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis, uh, Andy. Oh, God, well, I'm forgetting his name now. Um, God, who uh, who was I thinking of? Um, Andy Milligan. God, that drew a blank. I love his stuff. You know, I, I love that low budget uh, stuff. It's got a lot of heart. Uh, um, yeah, Mil Milligan about, is a badass man. I Complete love. Um, yeah, that's horror. Uh, I get made fun of for the way I say horror all the time because um you know hey, you're the second person that's been on this <laughs> show that I've that I've actually audibly told or mentally told myself that the way you say horror is the the other one is um uh oh my god uh, he's gonna uh, he's gonna kill me because what why can't I think of his name I shouldn't have even said anything uh, huh. uh, Scott Bradley God Scott Bradley says it the same way. It sounds and, familiar, actually. That guy. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, he's got a podcast. He's he's a very big uh, horror, uh, yeah, advocate. Is he really heart of a guy, boy? man? I, I would have that guy on any day of the week. Is he wear Sweet a cowboy hat? Guy. I love. It. Say it again. Does he wear like a cowboy hat? Sometimes. I yeah. think he does. Let me know. About. Yeah. yeah, Scott Brad S. A. Bradley. Scott Bradley. Helmet yeah, for yeah, horror. Is, is, that guy is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of of course. course you do. 
And I don't know why I couldn't why I couldn't think of the name. I guess because I was trying to go with the initials, and I right. said just say the first name, Scott Bradley. We're we're good. Once I got that, but Vic, it's time to ride into the sunset, man. I want to thank you very much for coming on to the Slasher uh, Slasher Sports Cinema Podcast, man. You've been a hell of a guest. I uh, thank Thanks you very for much me. for that your time. Fun. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely was. You're welcome back anytime. But that is going to do it for this episode of Slasher Sports Cinema. Make sure to check out the other shows in the Slasher Sports family. That's Suki's Honeydew Project, Slasher U, the OK Baseball Podcast. And then come back next week to Slasher Sports Cinema. I'm going to be joined by a gal whose name you've heard a lot on this show. She's Dixie Gers, and she's going to be telling us about some sweet projects she's got going on. So Dixie's in thrust. She's in thrust. She is in thrust, and we didn't even talk <laughs> about her because, listen, she gets more play on this show than she's I off. do. She's yeah. she's more beloved on this show than I am, okay? And <laughs> and I'm completely fine with it, okay? Because a, a lot of my guests aren't – they're not here if she doesn't facilitate it. I yeah. appreciate Dixie with everything I have. Nah, okay, she's a – yeah, well, I should just give her a producer credit to this show. Mm -hmm. I don't know that she would want it ruining her reputation, though. But for Victor Bonacore, I am Billy Graves, and I wish you all to be victorious in all you do. And may you drink the blood of your enemies from the skulls of their children.